Hello and welcome to Tech Latest by Nikkei Asia, where we bring you the freshest updates from the technology sector in Asia. Every episode, some of our reporters from the region will be filling us in on the tech news on their radar, from semiconductors in China to space travel in Japan to startups in Indonesia. From Nikkei Asia's Tokyo headquarters, I'm Alice French. In this episode, our first of 2024, I'm chatting to Yifan Yu and Sisi Zhao, two of our tech and business correspondents, and Katie Creel, our tech editor, who are in Las Vegas, US, to report on CES, the world's biggest consumer technology trade show. Hi, everyone. It's great to catch up with you from all the way across the Pacific. Hey, Alice. Hi, Alice. Hi, Alice. So the three of you have been in Vegas for a couple of days now. Katie, can you just give us a sense of the atmosphere there? What are people most excited about this year? It seems like they're excited about everything. The size and the scale of this event is just amazing. I think there's something like 130,000 attendees expected, which it's not quite to pre-pandemic levels, but it's getting pretty close. The range of exhibitors, I think there's around 4,000. They're covering everything from flying cars to self-driving cars to AI, to pet tech. It's just really, really great. Yeah, everyone's just really happy to be here. And how about you, Ethan? You've been covering tech from the US for a few years now. How's the experience been for you? Yeah, this is, I think this is uh, probably the fourth CES I covered. So it's it has been a quite different experience year by year because the first time I was here, it was 2020. I think the CES was actually in declining in terms of the influence, its influences in terms of its attendee numbers. And then obviously it's a COVID, which didn't do great for event like this. And 2024, I feel it's a year of a comeback year for CES. Sends a lot to AI. Everyone is so buzzed about the new fundamental change in the technology space. So it really feels like CES this year has like getting its glory back. For sure. And like you say, there must just be so many different exhibits to look at. But you guys are out there to particularly focus on the Asian companies that are exhibiting. Sissy, what kind of big brand names have you seen from the region out there? I would imagine there's quite a lot of Asian representation, right? Yes. Uh, so there's a huge presence of Asian companies such as Samsung, Sony, Panasonic, and particularly, you know, those companies are from uh, South Korea and Japan, and all of them are sort of in a high profile. Uh, although there uh, are more than 1,000 Chinese companies attending, most of them are medium and small size companies. Uh, you know, uh, ByteDance also showed up, but uh, that was in a very low profile. And that is also something very interesting about China. I was in the Eureka Park. That is a Zoom for startups from all over the world, uh, showcasing their flagship products and connecting with potential investors. And exhibitions in that area subsidized by each government. So which means that the government pays 50 to 100% of the booth fees for companies to enhance their global presence. And some of those companies are showing their latest applications of AI, and some of them are indeed exciting. Um, however, zero company in that area is from mainland China. In contrast, uh, there's a particularly uh, big presence of Korean companies. The Korean government even flew dozens of university students to Las Vegas to do English introductions for those uh, startups. 
And there's also a big presence from Taiwan and a moderate presence from Hong Kong. And during the show, the governments would also actively introduce those startups to investors, uh, which experts are very happy about. And I think the no-show of uh, Chinese startups in that area is definitely due to the geopolitical tensions. Um, but in the non-startup areas, you can still see a lot of Chinese companies. Now, Katie, coming back to you, you lead Nikkei Asia's tech coverage and follow technology trends across the region very closely. What trends have you seen emerging at this year's CES and what sort of trends or sectors or products should we be keeping an eye on in Asia as this year gets off to a start? Sure, Alice. Uh, one thing I've definitely noticed with the kind of growth and spread of AI is intense emphasis on security. And this makes sense because not only is AI a very powerful tool, generative AI is clearly changing how we do business, how we create our own entertainment even. So there's been a lot of talk about the concerns surrounding AI and also state of protection in general. So that's been a really strong focus by a lot of you know, bigger companies and even the smaller ones. And that's partly because AI and smart technology is moving even more deeply into our homes. There were so many products and concepts and announcements about AI-powered products that will be in our living rooms, in our bedrooms, gathering the most personal of data about your health, about your habits. So I think it was really um, interesting to see how you know, AI tech is not only opening up new kind of opportunities for changing the way we live, but also kind of new threats and how companies are preparing to meet those. So that was really great. Thanks. And I do want to come back to AI in a second, but I understand that transport has also been a pretty big focus, right? And Sissy, I understand that you've been doing some interesting reporting about some flying cars. Is that correct? Can you tell us a bit about those? Participants at the show are really excited about the flying vehicles. And this is actually not the first time that people see flying vehicles at, at the CES. And previously, uh, people have seen that uh, there's a stuff called e-voto, which means uh, the vehicles can take off vertically without a runway. You might ask, well, what is the difference between an e-voto and a helicopter, right? So the difference is that an e-voto is purely electrical. Uh, it also has multiple uh, rotors. So if one of the rotors doesn't work or broken, and then other rotors uh, will work uh, and the vehicle will not fall from the sky. And this year, China's expert uh, debuted its latest e-voto outside China, so which is a prototype. And the difference from traditional uh, e-voto is that uh, expense has two modes, uh, aerial and land. And that means you can drive it as a car and you can also fly it. Uh, but most of its peers can only uh, fly. And then the company even told me that they actually have no competitors. But my personal view is that it still remains a question if they can really deliver the vehicle, um, as there are so many challenges uh, ahead. And um, in addition, uh, Xpen is targeting the consumer market rather than businesses and the public sector. Also, there are quite a few doubts or challenges over uh, Xpen's flying car, uh, such as the issues of uh, airspace approval, uh, certification and regulations, the same problems that uh, air taxes are facing. Interestingly, Xpen announced at CES that one of their flying cars will start to take pre-orders later this year and delivery will start late next year. And the company is pretty confident about delivery because they think that the Chinese authorities are quite supportive of this emerging sector. 
let alone Beijing is very need to take the lead in setting global standards for the electrical aviation field, uh, similar to its approach to 5G and 6G technologies in the past few years. So they believe Beijing will accelerate the approval of process. Can I jump in on the uh, very important issue of regulation? Mm-hmm, sure. I was at a panel today with American uh, aviation companies. They were electric airplanes, not quite as advanced, I think, as X-Planes, but they were talking a lot about the issue of regulation in the U.S. And the time frame they were giving for regulation in this new space seemed a bit slower than China's, actually. They're talking 2028, maybe a bit later for kind of even the most initial rules governing this new industry. So it'll be quite interesting to see who takes the lead in the global rule setting for this new sphere of aviation. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. And of course, regulation is a pressing issue for the whole of the tech industry, not least in AI. And Ifan, you actually wrote us a big feature story last year about the regulation of AI and the challenges that it poses. You've been covering AI for a long time, and I'm sure that you've been focusing on it at CES too. What kind of developments have you been seeing at the show? Are there any particular AI trends that have caught your eye or that we might not have heard of? I have to be honest, if we are expecting something major that's going to change consumers' life coming out of CES this year, it's not going to happen. Like, even though a lot of companies are adding AI to their existing products, it's actually a lot of them are something we've already seen. It's not real AI products. What I, what I actually see this year and thinking is companies that are actually making progresses in AI is the hardware companies, mostly chip makers. Um, as you know, chips is the foundation of all technology, especially AI. Like you need uh, the chips from NVIDIA, from AMD, from Intel to train everything from the data centers to your personal computers. So this year at CES, NVIDIA, added two new GPUs, like high-performing AI GPUs on Monday. And their uh, its competitors, AMD and Intel, also launched several new chips. But the difference is NVIDIA's new chips is um, not just for AI PC, uh, which means like these, um, these chips can be used on computer, just regular computers. But because NVIDIA has gained such a head in the AI race, its competitors like AMD and Intel are trying to take a shortcut and betting on AI PCs. That means like you can have your own AI system on your local computers without transmitting any data to the cloud. So I think it's very interesting to see the different passes different chip makers are taking. It will take time to see whether, you know, uh, whether the future is hybrid AI, meaning we rely on both uh, local devices or, and the cloud, or is AI PCs actually going to be the foundation of all AI devices. Um, so it's going to take time, but I think it's a very interesting different passes they are taking. Um, by the way, in NVIDIA's new chip, I know a lot of you are excited about it, uh, especially in China, because this time they are not banned by the U.S. government, so NVIDIA can sell their new high-end AI chips in China uh, by the end of January. Right, and as you say, as the AI consumer market expands, of course, the chip price will be hotting up even more, and that's something that we'll, of course, be covering here at Nikkei Asia. Now, just before we go, I want to just talk a bit more about the more wacky and wonderful tech products that are on display at CES. 
What have been each of your favourites so far? Perhaps something surprising or something that you think listeners might be particularly interested to hear about? Well, um, I think there are quite a few new technologies that's maybe not as mature as they should be, but it's like a very interesting product that we should uh, pay attention to. For example, I went to this booth uh, at the Eureka Park, uh, CC mentioned. There is a Hong Kong startup that is using AI to diagnose hair losses. I'm sure I'm not the only one who is losing tons of hair due to stress and everything. So this technology is really helping people like me to take control my hair loss and try to you know prevent more hair losses um basically what they do is using ai databases and uh, that they use the database to train a model that can recognize what's the early signs of hair loss and you use their comb to comb your hair every day and they will take a record of your hair and scalp and they will tell you if you're in danger of losing more hair Another star that I noticed, this is probably going to be a great news for new parents. Uh, they are doing these like baby whisper magic. Basically, they say they can understand what baby is saying from all the crying and all the nonsense jabbering through their AI analysis. I, I, I don't have kids, so I don't know how accurate they will be, but I'm sure a lot of new parents will be excited to try that out. That's really interesting that you mentioned the uh, baby whisper because I noticed another really interesting startup for babies. It was basically a Tesla of baby strollers. It, it wasn't entirely autonomous driving, but it could kind of rock your baby without you kind of touching it. And it had an assist drive function. So if you're going up a steep hill, for example, it would help push the uh, stroller up. And if you're going downhill, it would prevent it from you know, getting away from you. So it was interesting use of a uh, some very advanced tech for a baby stroller had a kind of similar sensors as a self-driving car. But I can't control myself just to imagine all these baby strollers losing control in San Francisco hills, just rolling down hills without the parents. I think certain markets will definitely have a need for it. Um, my favorite product so far is a portable device that goes with the AI computer. So which means that if you plug the device to your laptop and turn on the app, and then the app will start recording the conversations. And then within just a few minutes, you will get up all those uh, bulletin points of highlights of the conversation. And then the app will also attach the transcript and it can also tell who said what. And because of the conversations are all saved in a portable device, uh, which is like an um, offline private cloud. So it's also uh, very secure. And I can see that, you know, uh, that kind of portable device, they could be widely used in, you know, hospitals. Because when there's a conversation going on between a doctor and a patient, you have to take a lot of the notes. And in that case, the AI can do that for you. You will also work during, you know, the police questioning and at the courts because the conversations are super long. But if there are multiple speakers, then you can really detect who is who. That's so, a really creative yeah. imagination you have about the uses. I would have just thought you would use it for your own work. Yeah, it's like a very efficient. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking it would actually be useful for this podcast. So let's see in the future, we may even end up using it in podcasting. But all of those are really good examples. I'm very jealous of you all there seeing this all in person. Um, and thank you so much for making time in your very busy reporting schedules to speak to us today about CES. We look forward to keeping up with the rest of your coverage from Las Vegas via your stories. And hopefully we can speak again soon. Thanks, Alice. Thank you, Alice. Have a nice day, Alice. That's all for this episode. 
You can read the Nick Asia team's coverage of CES and other tech-related news on our website, asia.nikkei.com. And if you like what you've heard in this episode, why not subscribe to our weekly Tech Asia newsletter, which will be delivered to your inbox every Thursday. There's a link to sign up in the show notes. And whilst we still have you, if you're enjoying Tech Latest and would like to support us, please do give us a follow on whichever podcast platform you use. We also really appreciate any reviews you can leave, as these help new listeners to find our episodes. Thank you, and check back in next time for more updates on the tech trends that matter.